0: Hey, I'm Matt Hudgens, and he's Dave Mulvaney, and this is Profitability MD. Uh, Dave, how are you doing today, buddy? Matt,
1: I am doing fantastic. How about you?
0: I am fantastic, and I'm excited. We got our first guest, Scott Hembro, and uh, give us a quick little intro through his bio, Dave, and then Scott will will let you tell us. Well,
1: Scott is uh, near Rockford, Illinois, and he is, which is a little outside of uh, uh, Chicago uh, by about 60 miles and close to Wisconsin border where I'm from. And Scott, uh, his father had a Buick dealership in Rockford. He's got a extensive background in, uh, in the car business and, uh, coaching now in the car business. So I think the best place to go for that bio, I mean, Scott is, uh, uh, I've worked with Scott for years in, in sales and in selling. So, uh, Scott, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and, uh, who you're helping in your business.
2: Thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, I'm working with uh, primarily new car dealers across the United States. Um, I uh, um, try to select uh, dealers somewhere selling somewhere around 75 to 200 cars a month in that range there. Um, It's pretty hard to work with the big mega dealers. Um, You know, the the big corporations, and it takes a long time to get the decisions. And uh, my business model is – um, let's go fast. And, uh, so uh, I stay with, uh, pretty much the people that, uh, they own them and they run them themselves and you can talk to the decision maker. And, um, I've been doing it for, uh, since 1985 and, um, I've seen an awful lot of changes. My dad was a really good car dealer, but he was, he was a pretty rough guy. And, um, I remember when business was going great, he'd tell me, Hey, don't worry. It's going to go in the dumper. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, pal. You know, pump me up. You know, but also when it was down, he'd say, don't worry, it's going to go up. It's a very cyclical business. And uh, over the time I've been in the business, we have gone through just radical changes. And uh, and they're going very, very fast. And there's a lot of dealers today that are not keeping up. And they're having a very, very difficult time. The, the internet put a, a major, major um, um, impact on 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 the uh, profitability of dealerships because basically the, the internet has made it a race to the bottom. That's the best thing that ever happened for a consumer. Um, you know, because everybody knows everybody's price. and. Uh, so let's yeah.
1: stop there for a moment um, and, and kind of dwell because when you start talking about the internet and profitability and the race to the bottom, I get interested real quick. So what what can a dealer do today to to make money in a dealership again? I hear the same things from other dealers. Oh, you am not making any money. Well, you're moving 200 cars. How can you not be making any money? So let's let's stop here and talk about that for a minute.
2: Okay. All right. Um, well, let's see. To, to answer your question, how do they make money? That's exactly the the side of the business I've gotten into. They have to they have to rely much more on the service and parts business than they have. Um, okay. There's a term in the business called owner retention. And that's the amount of people that come back to the dealership after the car's out of warranty. And approximately 65 to 70 percent of the people when the car's out of warranty start going to independent garages. That's massive. I mean, just that's an absolutely massive number. Thinking Thank you. brother, you know, you know, two-thirds, three-quarters of your people away after you've gone out of uh, the obligation to go back to them. Now, as far as profitability, they're being truthful with you when they say uh, we don't make money. They lose their butt on, on selling new cars because it's absolutely a race to the bottom. Every month, a dealership is given an objective from the factory. And uh, that number you know, is pretty much based on their sales rate, the average cars they sell per month. Uh, GM for years and years and years would use the same month last year. So I'm going into April. So based on what I sold last year in April, they'd add one. That would be my objective. If I hit that objective, I might get $500 a car, $1,000 a car, $1,500 a car. Some manufacturers go up to $2,500 a car. When you got a dealership selling 100 new cars a month, and it's $1,500 a car, if they hit that objective, and they start at the beginning of the month, Planning on hitting that objective, because to be competitive on the internet, they basically sell the cars at net, 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 just to be competitive and to get the people in. You know, we used to be able to sell used cars and make up the difference, but everybody's gotten smart on used cars, and people are being very, very aggressive on buying up used cars. In the past two years, the profit margin on a new car has gone down $1,800 a copy, And it's also gone down $1,500 a copy on used cars.
1: You know what's interesting about used cars, Scott? So I stayed in a hotel in Phoenix uh, last week, and um, I could go down the hall and get a soda um, out of the vending machine. Or I could go just down the road, and I could actually buy a car out of a vending machine. What is that doing for the industry today?
2: It's 1% of the sales.
1: Well, that's a pretty big chunk. For I mean, you don't have to pay any salespeople to work inside of a
2: vending machine, right? Somebody's got to explain the car. Yeah, I somebody's understand. got to get the car ready. They go through the same motions. They just have a different <laughs> dynamic for the way that they set their set their business up. Uh, but you know, there, there's an awful lot of things that are being discussed that are going to change in the car business. You know, I mean, yeah. um, you know, um, electronic vehicles are something that's being discussed today. You know, the uh, uh, autonomous vehicles, you know, they're talking about those things. You know, there's a couple of things nobody ever thinks about on both of those. And years ago, Dave, I'm sure, you know, and and Matt, you probably did too. You remember the book Megatrends?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: John Nesbitt, yep. Yeah, what did it tell you? Told you there's a lot of things that could be changed, but big business ain't going to let them. I mean, think about it for a while. You know, you got Exxon, you got mobile, you you know, you got standard oil. You really think these people are behind um, electric cars? Well, let's,
1: let's put it this way. Um, You know, if you don't change and adapt to the industry, I think of the taxi industry. You look at pictures going back to like the, uh, the 1920s, 1930s, there's taxis. And these people thought they'd never be out of business. And, I can remember when uh, Peter Diamandis started talking about how one day the, all those taxis are going to be gone and somebody's going to have an app on their phone and then somebody now has an app on their phone and you don't need taxis
2: anymore. So things do change. So, oh, I, And I'm not saying they won't change, Dave. They will change, but they're not going to change as fast. I think you're right. You're going to see, I mean, right now, electric cars make up 6% of the market. So 94% is conventional. I think you're going to see a big portion of it in electric, but I think it's going to be, you know, 10 years away, 15 years away. It's not going to be a year from now. The problem the is it, it produces
1: it. more pollution to make NICAD than the car is ever saving this period of time. And that's, let's not get off on that. Let's focus on this owner retention thing. Cause this is where Matt and I talk. What's, one of the reasons I thought it would be a fit to have you on the call today was because, um, we wanted to really showcase how the car business is not unique most business owners their margins are being squeezed because they have competition and uh, anytime there's competition your margins are being squeezed and what matt and i help people do is we say okay um let's focus on the things that make the most money and let's sell those things you can still sell the stuff that's not making money to bring people in the door and what have you let's focus on selling those things so tell me how do you, what's, what do you get them to do in their service or parts department that can help them make money again, Scott? Because that's a message that your, your clients want to hear. What can you do to help them make money um, so that they don't have to worry about whether they, they hit their nut of 101 cars or 201, whatever it is, one over last year? So what can you do to help them make money in the service and parts department?
2: Well, you know, number one, what's the major reason why they leave? Okay, you know, the the reasons why they leave a dealership, everybody thinks is price and it's not. Um, You'd be surprised, Dave, if you check the oil price on your truck at a dealership versus going to Jiffy Lube or John's uh, Auto Store down the street. They're very, very similar on competitive things. They're very, very similar. But we just have this perception they're going to be that much more expensive. Can I I pipe in a second? Yeah,
1: um, having been a Lexus owner, multiple new car Lexus owners, why did we keep going to the dealer after? Because they always gave us a car, okay. always gave us a loaner car. They they always, literally, they were always so much into service and follow up. It was it was almost astronomical that to think to go somewhere else.
0: Well, it's but, experience. You're talking about the client experience. That's exactly what you're saying. So absolutely. And what you're saying down here, Scott, is that the pricing is probably pretty competitive, but the perception is it's super expensive. The perception is. Yeah. So it's almost like they need some messaging here that we're not overly priced. And then we definitely sell on the experience, was what you're saying, Dave, is that go to your Lexus guy so you can sit in there in very nice, clean waiting room, or you get a nice car to to run errands, or they'll shuttle you somewhere to the Chick-fil-A while you wait for your car to be fixed so they could add some extra little value
2: adds. I take uh, I take my wife's car in for service. She drives a Subaru. Yeah. And I make a, a joke out of it. I can tell you every hair on that guy's head, but I can't tell you what color his eyes are. <laughs> he never talks to me. He talks to the computer screen. Right. When we hired service advisors in the past, we hired a technician and had them come up front. Or when we were interviewing somebody, we hired somebody that their number one, you know, uh, capability was their technical skills. People skills were irrelevant. We didn't teach them how to sell. We didn't teach them personality skills, interpersonal skills. And a lot of the follow-up, Dave, that you're giving credo to is not done by that person because they don't understand the value of it. They've never been taught the value of it. And so it's being done by either a third party or a person they hire in the dealership or electronically.
1: Now, you know. there, now you're getting there. they're yeah. automating it. Right, right. they're automated so, and i'll and i'll mention my gmc truck and the truth is uh shortly after it went out of warranty i did stop going to gmc and um it was one of the questions i had for gmc i i asked the dealer and and by the way they are a customer of mine it's the only reason i kept going to them on occasion they're all the way across town but the the reality is they i was so curious i'm like why don't your service technicians i mean not technicians service people why don't they why don't you teach them to care a lot more and, i mean and i'm like you're so focused on selling cars why aren't you focused on the 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 part of your business that makes the most profit so that's that's my question for you Scott. why don't they focus on the part of their business that makes them a lot of profit
2: have you ever seen that square that says uh, um um Up the upper left is they don't know, they don't know. And then in the upper right is they know, they don't know. And then they know, they know. And then, you know, I mean, it it goes through like that. And I mean, my dad was a great car dealer. He was very profitable, but but he was a Barnum & Bailey. And I remember he called it the back end. And I remember to him, the service department was a necessary evil. There's still a lot of that, that that's inbred in car dealers today, they have the majority of them, probably, I don't know the number, but I would guess it would be probably in line with that retention number. 70% of the dealers still work on the front end. They don't work on the back end. And it's right. not the back end. It's the backbone Right is what it is today. See, you, know, and you can't survive without a backbone. And they're trying to survive. We have a term in the business called service absorption. And that is if you take your total expenses what percent of the of those expenses does the service and parts department absorb and for years and years and years it used to run 30 40% then guys used to think they were just great when they were running 60% well today if you can't make money on a new car you can just barely make money on used cars so you're pretty much a worse because actually, it, this past week's automotive news said last year, for the first time, the vehicle departments, since they've been tracking since 2009, the vehicle departments actually lost money last year. So, I mean, they lost money in the front end. So, if they didn't make that, that quote, back in money, those bonus monies from the factory, they lost money. So you've got to have the service and parts department firing on all eight cylinders. So it's covering the entire expense structure for the dealership. And it could be done very, very easily, but it has to be done with the right people, the right processes, people that when you come in, absolutely are grateful that you're there. I mean, how many times when you go in Dave, do you feel like you're intruding and you're bothering them and you're a nuisance?
0: Right. Right. I I, I'm going to, you know, This is just reminding me. So in, in, in another business, we were talking about like dentists, right? And dentists, they have this thing called diagnosed, but not treated, right? It's people that have been diagnosed with a cavity, but not treated. We know who they are. They just haven't been in here. They also have these patients who haven't been in to see for their annual checkup. So again, I know who you are. What you're telling me is we know who these owner retention, we know you own the vehicle and you quit coming to see us. We know where those people are. We have their name and address and emails already, right, Scott? I absolutely, mean, absolutely. We absolutely. know exactly who they are. So this goes back to almost like we would call it in a dentistry a reactivation campaign, right? You could literally run a reactivation campaign for the service department of your car dealership, right? That's the same parallel because you know who these people are. I'm not looking to get somebody else who doesn't own a Lexus from a Lexus dealership, but I sure as heck would like to have more of my guys that bought Lexuses for me coming back and doing my service. It's it's a reactivation campaign, don't you think, Dave?
1: Oh yeah, and I think I think this is one of the things that okay, Scott's dealing with a lot of people in the they don't know club because yeah. what is what is the dealership putting all their focus on selling new cars? New cars. I'm bringing yeah, those people easy. back in where they can make money, yeah. right? Am I, am I somewhat right here, Scott? I mean, they're, they're focused You're on. on. You're dead on. Yeah. 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 I mean, so so it would appear to me, and and I'm glad we're bringing this out in this video because I hope a lot of uh, dealers that we're connected with see this so that they can, they can get with Scott and Scott can help them uh, be profitable in there because I know, I know of a dealer that uh, here in Florida that Scott So Scott, you do travel all around the country, don't you? Yes, sir. Yes. Sir. I know of a specific dealer that I happen to be um, you know, I've done some work with in the past and they're here in sunny Florida and uh, Scott, what kind of results did you get with them?
2: Their uh, their service absorption on a bad month is ninety percent, and on a good month it's one hundred and ten percent. So do mean, think, what does that mean? Again, how do you
0: explain it?
2: That that means they've already made money. If their if their expenses were hundred thousand dollars, the service department's creating one hundred and ten, and they haven't even sold a car yet. They sleep very well at night. Okay, that's
0: fantastic. Yes, their
2: their owner retention is 82.5%, where the national average is somewhere around 35%. And actually, that 85% is pretty close to a perfect number because you're dealing, your numbers are coming out of somebody like GM, David. And, you know, I mean, think about how many people in their database have passed away, but the car still registered to them? How many people have moved out, but it hasn't been transferred out yet? How many people have traded it? And it hasn't been cleared off of the books. So, I mean, in in my world, a perfect number out of the hundred names GM would say are potential people to come in for service. Probably only 90 of them are realistic. Maybe 85 of them are realistic. And they're at 82.5. But we started working on it five years ago. We hired people when we were hiring people for the drive. We hired people with empathy. We hired people that, you know, when they come to work, they come to work. They don't come to work to look for excuses not to do something. They uh, are not against processes. I mean, in the sales department, we always teased about having a sales meeting, and we would talk about doing something in the morning sales meeting, and we would get done, and the salespeople would go out back, and they'd say, uh, Well, what do you think? You want to do it or not? You know, what the heck? It's not supposed to be optional. So right. you hire people, you hire people that if we're going to install a Um, a process, if we're going to install, you know, let's say we want to use tablets on the drive. Okay. We hire people that when you ask them to do something, they do it rather than pushing back and fighting back. Right. Um, You know, Dave, a little while ago you were uh, um, um, mentioning uh, um, the, you know, just the, the pushback that you get on these things and, you know, people leave for all kinds of reasons, but I mean, one of the reasons they go to an independent, is because a lot of times they can talk to the person that they're going to be dealing with. Now, the dealership that you're talking about, Dave, when, um, um, and Matt, you were, I forget what you're using the dentistry business, but in the car business, we call it declined work. Okay. okay. I, you know, you bring it in. I see you need something. You say, well, let me think about it. You know, and you go home and basically yeah. what you can do is you're going to call it. Diagnosed
0: but not know. treated is what they call it in dentistry. Okay. Diagnosed we, but not treated. I know my air
2: conditioner is broken, but I don't want to fix it today. <clears throat> we call it declined work. Okay. First of all, 60% of the declined work isn't even followed up on in the dealership.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. Now, that's inexcusable
2: yeah. number one. Okay. But if the dealership, Dave, that you're talking about, when they find something that needs to be done on the car, the um the technician takes out his cell phone and he does a little selfie saying hey dave this is scott i'm the guy that's working on your car now i'm telling you know, I, i'm pointing out to you that you need some brake work let me show you okay and he trips around and he shows you what needs to be done and uh you know the brake, uh, you know the the width is this much there's this much being worn it should be this much see that big groove in there that's what needs to be done And uh, if you do choose to get it done today, I've already checked. I have the parts. I have the time. I can have it done for you by 5 o'clock. Julie's going to call you in a few minutes and see if it's approved. And uh, I hope you do because I'm happy to work on your car. Thanks an awful lot. That's from the technician. That is fantastic. Let me tell you what they do in dentistry is now they got the cameras that they
0: stick in your mouth to take a picture of here's your cavity, here's your cracked tooth, and here's why it's going to be a problem. You're telling me you're doing that exact same thing with the service technician. He pulls out his phone and say, "Here, let me show you how the brakes are worn, and and here's the thickness they should be, and here's what they actually are." And they're sending it to him to ask for his approval, right? So we call that case acceptance. So you so call Dave, that. Dave, stuff.
2: let's go to your your GMC store, okay, or your GM store. I'm not sure. Was it GMC?
1: Yeah, it's G- okay. Pontiac uh, GMC GMC Pontiac. Yep. Not
2: Pontiac. Well, whatever it was, funny. okay. Yeah, it was potty. Okay, but anyway, it doesn't exist anymore. But I'm the service manager. I go on out to say, technicians, hey, we got this great new program. We're going to be sending videos out to customers. You're going to be making the videos, and they smile <laughs> because they don't want to because <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to do it. They say, "I'm not a I'm not a movie star. I'm a mechanic." Well, you know what you know what else
1: you are? You're a survivalist. So let's let's not get too caught up in the technical aspects, let's, let's, let's stay on this. So Matt and I have a, uh, we both have a philosophy. It's, it's much easier to um, get water from the same well than it is to dig a new well. So, um, and you're saying the same thing. If their focus is on, uh, on service and parts, they can make a lot more money in their dealership. When, when you take a 200 car a month dealership, what are we talking like that they could increase their sales annually, um, or profits, if they implement yeah. a program. What are we talking? They could do profitability-wise annually, uh, taking some action like this—half
2: a million to a million.
1: So, it would appear to me that they should be paying you. If if I could increase my sales a million dollars, it must it must cost a hundred thousand. Does it cost a hundred thousand to hire you, Scott?
2: Um, I'd like to, yeah. but no, <laughs> not, not quite. Not I, I'm quite. bringing
1: that up because the yeah. reality is, um, I know what your fees are, and it's nowhere close to that. And you're talking some of the dealerships you work with make fifty. They they make they make so much it's fifty hundred thousand dollars a month more because they've hired you for a period of time, and it. I I know the biggest obstacle that you face. Is getting the dealership, the owner, and the GM to wrap their head around this concept that uh, Dan uh, Dan Sullivan calls it front stage, backstage. Well, that the that the that the service and parts department are not backstage. If that's where you make your money, that's got to be front stage. You've got to change the look. If you're not making money on cars, well, frankly, that's not your fault. That's GM's fault, that's that's uh, Lex's fault, that's whoever, the, that's their fault because they chose not to protect the profitability of a dealership, or they put it all the profitability in the parts and service department. So now, th- these dealers got to understand, if, if, if it's not GM that cares about you, they got to hire people like you that can show them, well, Darn it, you, you better make it back here or you're going to be out of business before long. You can't keep borrowing money. These guys have huge credit lines. You can't keep, there's only two things that put somebody out of business. Number one, not enough profitable sales. Number two, too much debt. And car dealers carry massive amounts of debt. And if they don't fix the service and parts department profitability, we've already established at the beginning of this call, they're not going
2: to make it in new cars, right? They're not going to make it news, guys. No, yep. hey, Dave, I want to say something
0: that you just mentioned, which was really funny. So you're talking about taking the backstage, which is the service department, right? Which which has been the ugly stepchild. And now Scott here is telling us that that, that could be your main profit center. If And you're saying, teacher, treat it like a front stage. Make it nice and pretty. And so there's a parallel for one of my – I'm a golf nut. I'm a golf guy. And at one of my clubs – They really fixed up the bag room. So the bag room is where you store your golf club. So it's just like a storage warehouse. But what they ended up doing is putting down slate tile and marble countertops because the thought process with every golfer passes through this room on the way to the golf course. Every guest passes through here and every member passes through here. So let's make it as nice as we can because everybody sees this place. That's exactly what you guys just said make the service department a front stage place, make it go back to your. make it a nice environment with, with Scott was saying, hiring good people, having good process. You were saying, make it so I can get a car. I'm saying so make it so it's a pleasant wait environment. So I can get in there and have a little cup of coffee and a water and, and, and have free internet. So, so you're, that's, that's the exact parallel they did at this golf course, which is they made this ugly warehouse storage room, a front stage by Boone slate and Marvel, because everybody sees it, which is exactly the message both of you guys are just saying. So I just thought that was an interesting parallel.
1: It is. That's, that's exactly where Scott was going. So Scott's company is Hembro Business Systems. Um, Scott, what what do you think is going to happen if dealerships don't change their, well, their service and parts, the way they do business and service and parts? What do you think is going to happen?
2: I don't see any change in the pricing on the car structures uh coming. And um uh, um you know you used to even uh try to break even on selling a car and they made all their money on the on the finance side on right. the extended warranties and the gap and everything like that. They're having a hard time making money on that now. That's even fallen down. I don't see any of that changing. Um so they're going to have to find a new way, which what we're talking about, which is the service in the parts department in order yeah. to, to, cause you can't, you can't save your way to profit unless there's, <laughs> income, unless right? there's profit. You know, right. and, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, what's going to happen if they don't fix it? Somebody that's already figured it out is going to come in and buy them up or somebody's going to business. come in that's figured it out and open up down the street and bury them. You know, I mean the Outlook isn't very, very pretty if they don't change um, because the model is not going to change. Dealers fought the internet for about five years, but for the past five years, they've embraced it 100%. And a lot of them made lots of mistakes. Those guys had problems. A lot of them figured out how to do it and they've done better than the others. But it took them about five years to embrace it before they finally embraced it they're at the same point with the service department. They'll either change or it'll change, Um, you know, and uh, um, you know, somebody will come in and buy them and they'll change it, you know, because when these mega dealers come in and they buy a store in the market, they fix the service departments. They really do. They, They put the processes and the people in place and they make sure they're making money in the service department and the dealers that are fighting it you know, it's going to just be a a period of time before they either go away or they're bought out Um, uh,
1: pricing. It would appear to me that I would almost guarantee I'm not in the car business, but I'd almost guarantee they spend enormous amount of money training salespeople and it would almost appear to me that they ought to move most of those well-trained salespeople into the service department because and make them the frontline liaisons between the technicians and the customers and or they need to take their service department people and say, look guys, go to the service manager. I wanna make money in my service department, hire Scott and let's get that, let's get the service department making money and start giving bonuses in the service department just like you would your salespeople. <laughs> I mean, it would appear to me that, that yeah, you, you think every dealership ball. would do that but they, I know they're not doing it because I'm not going to say the name of the dealership where I bought my truck, but I'm going to give you an example of, of what I think is poor marketing in their service department lobby. They have a, a, like a little restaurant where they sell food and I'm thinking here after talking to you, it only came to me as I'm talking to you. I'm thinking, Why are you selling food to keep me in your building when you should be focused on how you can make more money? You wouldn't need to sell food if your focus was on being profitable in the service department and parts department. If your focus was there, I called for windshield wiper blades for my truck. Think about that. I could have gone to AutoZone, but I called the dealer and you know what they said? I can have them here by Tuesday. And I'm like, no, that's okay. I need them now. I'll just go up the road. It, it flabbergasted me. Windshield wipers for a, a a GMC Sierra Denali. It should should every like GMC truck is gonna have the same windshield wipers,
2: wouldn't they? Just <laughs> would asking. Think, I mean, <laughs> what do they call them? Bistros. What's what do they call the coffee maker? Oh yeah, the bistro. Oh, the like Keurig. Or, I don't Keurig. know. Bistro or something like yeah. that. Go over to our friend, our mutual acquaintance. Okay, they have a bistro that makes coffee for you. And they also make fresh donuts. You know the ones, the little mini ones that plop in and yeah. go through the little thing and pop out, and they put the powder on them. That's what's available to you in their waiting room in the morning. That is awesome. See, this is this
1: is what a dealership ought to look like. So we're coming to the end of our time here, and I want to be conscious uh, because people watch this. We want to keep it to thirty minutes. So
0: yeah. wait, um, wait, 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 wait! But don't wrap up yet. I just two thoughts I was thinking actually for helping Scott's business here. Yeah, I'm sitting here for Scott has a a great message to deliver, right? And he just needs to get in front of more dealers, right? Yeah. Because Scott Scott needs, we need testimonials, you need case studies, and then you need an irresistible offer because you're talking about how your fees, you're talking about $500 to $1 million of profit going to these guys' bottom lines. You might want to think about a, a, lawyers do this all the time, especially personal injury lawyers, a fee, right? A a retainer fee and then a success fee when you deliver that $500,000 profit. That might be a way people are always able to part with future profit. I'll be happy to give you 10% of 500 grand. That's a $50,000 fee, right? If I don't have to pay you until we get the 500 grand, right? So you, you got to so, get a little on the front. Right? That's what I'm saying. You got to get a retainer, just like lawyers. Lawyers do that. Lawyers get a retainer fee of X amount, and then you can have a success fee. I call that an irresistible offer, meaning you're kind of covering your hourly working. And then at the, at the end, we're going to, I'm going to take a piece of the profit. So you could do that based on your testimonials from existing clients and referrals from existing clients and say, Hey, look, whatever the guys you guys are talking about now, we fixed it up. We got the coffee machine. We got the donut machine and we're making an extra million bucks. You need to talk to Scott. That'd be a great way for you to just to grow your business. Scott's Sorry, got a no.
1: really good sales letter now. I just saw it today. Oh,
0: I, I've, I've heard there's some good people that know how to write.
2: <laughs> uh, Matt, you know, you know, the best thing that, that I got out of, you know, my takeaway on what you said, yeah. I'm no different than anybody else, Dave. I got to consider different ways of marketing. Yes. I can't be the same way I have been for the past 20 years. Maybe it's time for me to look at a new model.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And that's one of the pricing models that I suggest to a lot of my clients is that kind of lawyer model, retainer model, and success bonus. You know, personal injury lawyer uh, uh, gets a percentage of the recovery of you were hit by a car and, and they get a percentage of that money once the money comes in, Right. Right. So that's kind of what you could do. You can say, I got a retainer model. It's X amount because I want kind of want my time to be covered. But I know that I'm going to deliver some value here at the end. And let me just take a percentage of that. 10%, 15, 7. I don't know what your number would be, but you could come up with a value that would be an easier parting of ways because they'd be like, well, yeah, sure. Why wouldn't I? I would be happy to give you 50,000 if you were giving me 500.
1: The only caution I have with that is because we are dealing with car dealers. Okay. An maybe not all car dealers are are known for their word i know anybody who's watching this would absolutely keep their well word.
0: taken but, well
1: taken i'm but just exploring options, options. May not not be option. you. i look at it this way a guy walks up to a urinal and he sees a quarter okay and he says for a quarter no but he reaches in and throws another quarter in and says for 50 cents hell yeah so <laughs> The reason I say that is I do believe you have to get an upfront fee that's big enough to make him commit Absolutely. to the process, Absolutely. to the actions that are necessary. Then, when it all happens on the back end, then yeah, he's more could, willing to play. But if it's yeah, too small measure. on the front end, Scott, if it's too small on the front end, they won't be committed to the process, and it'll be like pushing a rope. And we don't. I, totally
2: agree I used to do a, a one-day eval. why well, I still do. I do a one-day evaluation. And if I go in for free and do the evaluation, everybody's busy. But if I charge in an exorbitant amount and I give it back to them if they hire me, they pay attention. Uh, everybody's standing at attention when I walk yeah. in, <laughs> yeah. and if they're standing right. at attention when I walk in, it's a very productive day. So you're 100 percent right, and you know, Matt, that's one of the things that held me back. I haven't figured out a formula to right. date get your commitment. Yeah, but I I would be more than happy because I I could help them run the numbers up it's just as easy to get the million as it is to get the 500. Right. I'm sorry. I, I believe you, so. but it's, you know, it's, it, it's a commitment is what it is. And, uh, um, so yeah, no, it, it's, there's a, there's a number of things. And, uh, um, um, you know, you mentioned this, the sales letter, Dave, um, I shared it with a friend of mine that has been proofing them. And, um, that same one that I sent you, I sent it to him a little while ago and, uh, um, he called me after he read it and, uh, he says two things. He says, number one, he says, there was only two spelling errors. He says, your other ones usually have about 22. So he says, that's an improvement. But he says, who wrote this for you? And I said, what do you mean? Who wrote it for me? He says well, you didn't write this. Who wrote this? Cause he says, this is the best thing you ever had. <laughs> so brilliant. I'll give you guys a plug. So, so
1: you're saying, Scott, that, I that, um, and for those of you that that are watching this, I'm a direct response copywriter. I'm Ray Edwards certified. Ray Edwards is one of the top paid copywriters in the country, bar none. Anybody who's on the, the main speaking circuit, you've seen Ray's work. You just don't know it was him um, because he, he's, but I've been working with Ray about two years and he's really helping me improve my message. Um, but that being said, That's one of the things I work with my clients on because I believe that's the biggest thing is is you have to have the right message um, and you get that in front of the right audience. And as long as you get it in front of them at the right time, you'll get the right response. So the first thing that I've been working with really hard with Scott is I know you got the solution for dealers. And obscurity is the only thing that is keeping you from them. And we've got to get the right message in front of them because I'm telling you, you can help a lot of people if you can make it. Just any dealership that's doing 200 cars a month—if you can increase their profitability by a million bucks, let's just say, let's say gross profit, a million bucks a year—that's going to change the lives of every single independent business owner that owns a dealership. And the only reason that you're not so busy right now is only because they don't know. And the exactly way they're going right. to know is that we, your message has got. You, I, I, I read your 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 letter today, and it's very good, and I think that's really going to help you. I've got a couple of thoughts on it. That's the message that people need to see in that business because they're losing money. It's costing them a million. The the cost of not doing business with you is costing them seven figures a year.
2: Absolutely.
0: All right. Hey, uh, I think we need to wrap wrap this up. Um, I wanted to tell you my insights I got out of this conversation with Scott. So Scott's telling us that the profitability is in the service department. And I, I took away Scott, I'm manipulating your words you know, how do we fix the service department? We need to hire some good people. We need to have some good processes you mentioned. And then we have to have follow-up because you mentioned the declined work we need to follow up with. You mentioned processes like taking video pictures of the breaks so you can get higher acceptance of the work. Uh, and you talked about hiring really good people that are not technicians, but people friendly that had empathy. That was what I got out of there. So so Scott, uh, tell us where we can find
2: you. I um, am um, com. That's pretty easy. I'm scottembro.net. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram and they're all Scott Hembrough. and, uh, um, and, uh, um, look me up yep. online. I even pop up under Google. You know, we'll,
1: <laughs> even, we'll have, uh, we'll have, uh, Scott's uh, web address in the show, uh, links. Um, and, uh, definitely we'll have your, uh, um, you know, your, your web address in there, Scott, so people can reach you. Certainly. Well, thank All you right. guys
2: for the opportunity to, uh, to talk with you about, uh, this wonderful business I've had. This is good stuff, Scott. I appreciate
0: you taking the time. This was awesome. Appreciate it, Scott. So Matt, where can they find you? They, uh, so I'm 10Xprofitblueprint.com. is my little coaching website, 10Xprofitblueprint. And then, uh, LinkedIn, Matt Hudgens on LinkedIn is a great place to connect with me. How about you?
1: You can find me at davidmulvaney.com. I am also uh, David Mulvaney on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on all social media. Um, that our addresses will be in the uh, show notes. Look, I what I've learned from Scott today. I think the reality is, if you're not making money in the car business, you're stupid because you're leaving it's seven, your own fault. <laughs> you're leaving seven figures on the table. So. Um, I'd get in touch with Scott um, right away. That's the call to to action for today for those watching.
0: This is great. All right, we'll see you guys. Thanks, Scott.
1: We'll talk soon.
0: See you all later.